0: Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It is Sunday, December the 18th, 2022. Less than two weeks left of 2022. It's been quite a year on many fronts, especially in the tech industry, and in the tech business. Um, some of our regular viewers and friends know that I do a, a weekly show with my old friend Keith Teer called That Was The Week, which on a weekly basis summarizes what's been going on in tech. Keith is, uh, like me, a Bay Area uh, resident, um, closely associated uh, as an investor and as a technologist and as a serial entrepreneur on the startup front. So I thought what we would do with Keith today is rather than think on a weekly basis, Keith, we might uh, think about two questions. Firstly, what are the most salient things that have happened in 2022 on the tech front, in the tech industry? Uh, And secondly, what should we expect for 2023? So let's start um, with 2022. In, In your view, when historians in the middle part of the 21st century, look back at 2022 from the point of view of technology, what are they going to remember?
1: Well, I think inevitably it's going to be the correction in valuations for both public and private companies because the the, 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 the center stage was taken by that. I mean, even if you think of Elon Musk's acquisition of Twitter, the price he offered was offered prior to the correction and the price he paid was the price he agreed to at that moment. But it's very clear to everyone in the world that he significantly overpaid in retrospect because the canvas that we all sit on um, had a dramatic transformation. Um, It was characterized by public markets not being prepared to pay the same multiples of revenue for companies that they did previously. And so you can see right now, most of the tech companies um, that were previously flying high with very high multiples have lost somewhere between 60 and 80 percent of their share price over the year. So that's dramatic. I mean, it's equal to 2008 or maybe even 2000 in the impact
0: it has on the playing field of Silicon Valley. So that that's kind of a downside. So um, you would really compare what's happened in 2020 two uh, in the valuation of tech companies to the great crash of 2000, the crash of the, the, the dot-com boom? I'd compare them, but they're not the same.
1: Um, I think the companies that have been impacted today are much, uh, you know, they're, they're real companies with real revenues. And many of those in 2000 were not. So that's a difference. That means that they will probably survive <clears throat> and ultimately prosper. Uh, and the time it takes to recover, which in 2000 was seven or eight years, uh, will be much shorter, maybe one or two years. So, so I do think it's different. Um, but the psychological impact in Silicon Valley is is probably as strong. It's a, it's had a big impact due to the fact that the high was so high, uh, and it's come down a lot from that high.
0: Um... The man of the year, uh, if, if that's the right phrase, is, of course, Sam Bankman-Fried, uh, the head of FTX, who lost a fortune, $36 billion, and probably is going to spend much of the rest of his life in jail. Is the crash of crypto, Keith, in 2022, is it equivalent to the crash of the dot-com boom? You know the, uh, dot, the uh, dot, I, I say the, the the bust on the boom in in two thousand.
1: Yeah, well, I d- I definitely think it's pretty dramatic. Um, the dot com boom had two things happening simultaneously: the destruction of previously high values, and then um, the confirmation of the internet as a very important platform for the future. But it took a few years for both of those trends to separate and for people to realize that the stronger of the two was the importance of the internet. I think in sitting here in December 2022, crypto looks as if it's in a bad place. But I think similarly to that earlier era, crypto does represent a substantive platform shift in the world's understanding of value and money. And I do think, possibly, operating systems. The, you know, the internet, in a way, is an operating system. Crypto is sort of the money system for the internet. And I don't think that's going away, despite what happened this year. But I do think that we'll all be much smarter about the more speculative, um, you know, parts of crypto, which, uh, which are all about making money fast, and that's where Bankman, I like to call him Bankman fried, because I think he...
0: Well, he certainly fried. There's no doubt about that.
1: Yeah. So so I think, I think um, yeah, it does share something in common, but it shares both elements in common. It, it, crypto, crypto is not going to go away,
0: and Web3 is not going to go away. Um, but... Perhaps, Keith, you might say something about Web3 is an internal phrase used in Silicon Valley uh, for what happens next. Of course, it's logically borrowing from Web 2, what do people in Silicon Valley mean by Web 3? And what has 2022 told us about the reality of of Web 3? Well, just like with all things, there's a spectrum
1: of answers to that question. Probably on the extreme end of that is someone like Jack Dorsey, who would say that Web 3 and he doesn't even like using the phrase because he thinks it's been compromised by other definitions. But he would say that Web3 uh, really ought to be the end of companies owning assets and the rise of the network itself and self-governing you know, technology clusters, um, leveraging crypto and blockchains uh, and uh, smart contracts to create a self-governing technical ecosystem where anybody can build anything. uh, And there will be no shares, there'll only be crypto. So it's tokenization replaces securitization for assets on a completely distributed um, and open and transparent technology platform. That's probably the most pure explanation
0: and you, you use the word pure. Some people might think of that as a euphemism. Some others might suggest, and I might include myself, that it's just a, a childish utopian fantasy. W- where do you stand on this? Well,
1: I, I kind of like utopian fantasies because I, I like goal setting. Uh, and you only really know if something is a utopian fantasy by trying to make it real. So almost everything that, Israel was once thought of as a utopian fantasy, like airplanes, for example. So um, I, I, I don't mind that that characterization of utopian fantasy. I, I do think much of it is doable, uh, technically speaking. In other words, nothing new has to be invented for it to be true. All that has to happen is human beings have to want it and prefer it. That said, there are always... Um, those who seek to undermine the utopian fantasy by taking elements of it and building things that have much more in common with the past than the future. Open, uh, uh, what's it called? Ocean, is it called Open Ocean? The the, the, the NFT platform is a good example of that. Open Sea, Open Sea, um, where you know it's really a centralized portal for NFTs. And not very much in common with the Web3 vision. Um, so, so if if that if those trends win, then the fantasy doesn't happen. It, it's a little bit like with every technology. You know, I mean, remember if you go and read the early days of television, people talked about how awesome it would be for education, and it ended up being used for entertainment and advertising. And so, television today is, you know not replaced the classroom, um, even though probably it could have if if we would have wanted it to. So it comes down to human decisions and how to use technology more than it does
0: to the technology itself. Going back to 2000 and the great crash, which seemed for a while, at least, to create a, a nuclear winter for Silicon Valley. The great companies of the first 20 years of the 21st century not just in silicon valley but globally and in the u.s economy the two greatest were google and amazon which of course uh, existed uh, amazon was better known google was a startup are there companies now in 2022 you think that say over the next 20 years will come to shape or reshape not just the tech industry but society broadly in the same way as Amazon of Google have done it in in the first 20 years or 22 years of the 21st century? I think the answer has to be yes even if you don't know who they are. I think
1: we do know who some of them are. Um, I think OpenAI which got to a million users in five days for its chat uh, GPT service that's the fastest path to a million users of anything ever so I do think that um, OpenAI, which charges money to developers for leveraging the, the smarts that it's put in place, is going to be one of those, maybe even the biggest and fastest of those. I think it's very likely that electronic vehicle companies, uh, especially coming out of China, will get that big. I think with this week's news about nuclear fusion, we're probably Two or three decades away from that being commercialized, that particular method, and there's all kinds of challenges with it. But there are lots of other nuclear fusion startups using different methods that claim uh, to be much further along. So I think I think there's going to be energy companies focused on climate uh, preservation that that will become big. So you know, and I, you know, so AI, Web three. Uh, energy uh, are all obvious. I think the thing that that people forget is the consumer side. We now have, I think it's 4 billion people with smartphones in the world. Any consumer idea that takes off, gets to a big section of that 4 billion very fast, often within weeks. Uh, So I think there'll be all kinds of consumer things that we just don't know about yet, that will become super big. Just like we couldn't have imagined uh, DoorDash or uh, Just Eat in the rest of the world um, delivering food to us whenever we want it from any restaurant, we care to mention, we can't imagine these other things, but they're, they're going to they're happen and they're going to be big.
0: You mentioned AI. You, your new play, your new startup is Signal Rank, and a, an attempt to use AI technology to predict or development invest investments in in startup companies, you you mentioned um, uh, chat, uh, GPT and open AI, do you think 2022 is the year that AI became real? We've heard about it for years. In fact, we heard about it even before the existence of Silicon Valley of smart machines. But is open AI finally realizing intelligence. Um, There's been all sorts of articles. I mean, even this morning, um, articles about machines that can finish your sentence, all sorts of worries now in universities about plagiarism. Where are we, Keith, in 2022 when it comes to AI?
1: Well, we're far away from the end. We're at the beginning in some ways, um, and maybe it's the end of the beginning. Uh, the, the, this AI that we talk about today, relies on human-curated data sets uh, with human code, uh, giving it the means to learn. Um, And so when you apply that human code to human-created data sets, you start to get uh, a machine that can uh, consume data and understand much about it and explain it to you um, in, a, in a way that wasn't possible even last year, so that's definitely a very strong starting point. Um, the signal rank reference is is interesting there because we we built something which um, you know those of us who work in data don't like the word AI in general because it 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 kind of conjures up something generic that it's hard to define what it really is. In the case of signal rank, we We call it AI just because that's what the market wants us to. But it's really intelligent data um, analytics run by a machine that spits out which companies are good shortly after they've done their A round, which is very early in their life. Using you're um, you're,
0: You're predicting the future, Keith.
1: You're predicting the future, or, or, or the machine is. The machine's predicting the future, but and this using... is
0: through data analytics. Your 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 system or your your algorithm crunches the historic data to predict the future.
1: Yeah, you give it you give it a way of um, a way of scoring lots of variables. They're called features, and it looks at all the variables and makes its best effort to say, well based on all these variables and what's happened in the past and what I know about the present, these ones look different to the rest. These are the ones to focus on. And and by the way, we tested it against every VC firm on the planet for the last 10 years. And it came, it came first in finding unicorns by a long way. It it, it found 234 unicorns. The next biggest was Axel,
0: which found 92. uh, Uh, Keith, people watching this, not just VCs, but, other human beings will think to themselves, "What does this mean for my industry? What does it mean for the future of venture capitalists, or the future of writers, or the future of teachers, or even the future of broadcasters like myself?" Well, I, I think what will happen is venture capital will thrive at
1: the early stage before there are signals. So when you know when an individual there's always cap- signals, Keith, isn't that your? I mean, well, then they're, they're not available signals that are private and buried, like when, when, let's just pick a person at random, Aileen Lee from Cowboy Ventures, who used to be at Kleiner Perkins, when she sits in a room with a six-month-old company that has three employees, she does something that a computer can't do. She figures out at that moment whether what she's just heard from the people she's heard it from could contribute to future value, and, and, and that just can't be replaced. But by the time that company is two or three years old, has done a seed round, an A round, is about to do a B round, there's a lot of signals that will enable you to compare it to all the other companies. That that's that that's where machines can come in. So that means the VCs that do C rounds and D rounds and E rounds and even later are most threatened by AI. But the ones who do the early stage, not really.
0: In fact, they they are the crown jewels, if you like, of venture capital. Keith, you're in a previous life, uh, a man very familiar with the work of Marx and his Hegelian sense of irony in in in, in, in the historical context. What do you think Marx would have made of 2022 a year? On the one hand, where we see AI, which threatens to replace human intelligence, And yet also a year where personalities like Musk, Mark Zuckerberg, even Sam Bankman-Fried seem to dominate the news. Are these compatible? Can we have an age of Elon Musk, of multi-billionaires, enormously powerful, willful characters, and at the same time an age where the machine dominates everything? Yeah, I
1: mean, probably the most appropriate Marx quote to sum it up is, history repeats itself the first time as tragedy, the second time as farce. Um, We've been here before with um, technology leading to the formation of large corporations that create huge amounts of private wealth run by slightly um, uh, impressive but dubious characters who to the rest of the world look like they're crazy and take risks that normal people wouldn't take. Uh, And in 2022, much of that crashed around their feet. So, and a lot of it was predictable, but was not predicted. It it was a shock and a surprise to people who who should have assumed it was going to happen. So I, I, I do think that uh, rationality, that nice word that comes from the Enlightenment, rationality still doesn't dominate thinking, or knowledge. Um, but I do think, ultimately, human beings do end up getting things right most of the time. It, it just needs needs lots of failures to figure it out. So with AI, um, I would, you know, I would assume. That you know the centuries-long attempts to reduce the working day down to eight hours or less um, will eventually be realized through automation, and we'll figure it out. But until we figure it out, uh, you know, whether AI is a good or a bad thing will continue to be a debate, and 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 um, you know all kinds of charlatans will rise up being against it, and other charlatans will rise up being for it. But ultimately, the technology itself will win because it it will be that good. It will be able to do things that we humans really don't want to do, like cleaning streets or
0: emptying garbage. Or Well, one, um, one of the things we want to do, especially my kind of audience, is <clears throat> be creative. So we had Gary Marcus, the AI expert on the show a month or two ago talk, he, arguing that smart machines will never replicate the human act of writing as i said now we have with um, with with chat gpt supposedly an engine which allows us to finish our sentences um, what is 2022 keith and you and i and our that was the week um, day a weekly show we focused a lot on the future of the creative industries of substack of twitter and all these other platforms that theoretically empower individual creators. What's happened this year for people who want to make a living as writers or musicians or filmmakers, but don't want to work for a studio, simply want to distribute and sell their stuff online? Yeah.
1: Well, I think that that you have to say that's mainly
0: good news. Um, I'm not saying it's good or bad, but it's a reality.
1: Yeah, I mean, if if, the, if that's the goal, 2022 supplied lots of reasons to believe it's possible. Uh, substacks growth mainly happened in 2022, and the proliferation of features built into it um, just makes it a very good platform. I know you use it, I use it. It's just been announced that uh, Twitter's competitor review is closing down on January 21st, I believe. So they have an open playing field to own the creative individuals. And they, they just this week announced that they're extending the platform to allow multi-authored newspapers, in quotes, not just single-authored newsletters. So I, I, I do think that with Restream, uh, the, the tech we're using now to do this show, and there's lots of competitors to Restream, um, most of the tools are there to do a fantastic job for a creator so then you get a level playing field which is quality meets audience you know like like always quality will win and stuff that is poor quality will not uh, and that's all you could really ask for distribution and the tools
0: to create you know are, are literally free now And where does that leave the traditional curators in 2022, 2023, and indeed throughout the 2020s? Traditional publishers, for example, Um, or newspapers or music studios or movie studios?
1: Well, I I, I think anyone that produces a print publication and distributes it physically is gonna be highly challenged to compete for all kinds of reasons. But the most important probably is just timeliness depth, the depth that the New York yep. Times has or, or had, or the New Yorker, that, that depth can re-represent itself digitally exactly. easily. So, so there'll be no loss of depth. Uh, there'll be a gain on cost of distribution, cost of production. So why would you want to be in, in those old businesses is, is a mystery. That said, I do think curators will make a comeback. It's just that they'll be digital. Um, and the New York Times, by the way, does an excellent job of that. Look at their purchase this year of uh, Wordle, if that's how you say it, as a good example of how they're curating digital stuff to be under their brand. So I do think I do think curators will make a comeback, not least of which is because there are so many good individual creators that there are, no one has enough time in the day to engage with it all so somebody is going to create interesting looking bundles of good stuff to, uh, that that are affordable and I, I don't know whether that will be 2023 or 2024 but it
0: it seems highly likely that it will happen we've talked about sam bankman Fried and the collapse of crypto which is of course the dominant tech story of 2022 but i wonder also keith if there's another story the the failure of of zuckerberg's vision of the metaverse we've done some shows on the metaverse most people don't have anything particularly positive to say whether or not they are tech insiders or outsiders tech boosters or critics do you think that 2022 in retrospect will seem the year that zuckerberg finally lost it and the metaverse will be one of those things in 10 or 20 years that people will look back at like Webvan and simply chuckle and say, well, that was obviously absurd. Yeah.
1: Look, I do think he's going to succeed to create something he thinks of as the metaverse. I just think it's going to be um, a much smaller version of what he already has, which is Facebook. Because I don't think the metaverse is going to be a mass... uh, a mass platform. Um, that said, we're even earlier in the metaverse than we are in Web three or AI. We don't yet have the the hardware tools to be able to engage with digital content in the real world. We will inevitably get those tools at some point. I, I don't think they'll look anything like you know uh, this. Uh, Uh, This seems like, uh, you know, those old first generation mobile phones that you couldn't carry because they're so heavy. So something is going to happen. And when that happens, anyone who is in the game with uh, three dimensional digital content that can be tied to specific locations, very precise locations, probably, is going to be super, super uh, valuable. Facebook could could play the long game and think of it that way. Apple is certainly playing a long game and thinking of it that way. So I I, I saw a demo uh, of this thing this week. Uh,
0: uh, and office. this thing, Keith, for, for people just watching, Keith is waving a, a virtual reality headset.
1: It's a virtual reality headset. I saw a demo of the professional version. <clears throat> uh, and all it did is... is um, used your real world keyboard and and mouse and put three huge screens that were fake in front of your eyes. And you could use your actual keyboard and mouse and move between the screens and put apps on the screens. It's probably one of the few use cases I've seen that I'd be tempted to do it myself, even though it means wearing one of these. At some point you'd be able to do that without wearing one of these. And and so I, you know, I I I think we shouldn't be too hard on Zuckerberg. He He's taking massive risk with his own personal wealth. He's definitely currently wrong, but that doesn't mean he's wrong. It just means he's currently wrong. And we'll see how it, how it all plays out. He, he isn't crazy. He's
0: just early. You mentioned Apple, Keith. Um, clearly, Facebook hasn't had a great year. Uh, Sanf- Bankman-Fried hasn't had a good year. Most of Silicon Valley hasn't had a good year, but Apple seems to be doing quite well. Are they immune from anything bad? Can they continue to, to, to be this mint, just manufacturing value and money? Yeah.
1: Well, I think they can for some time. Uh, Apple works in um, very long cycles. So internally at Apple... They probably were on iPhone 14, they've probably already got a roadmap to iPhone 17, maybe even to iPhone 20. And what they tend to do is use leading edge technology at the moment to put something on the iPhone, usually only one or two things that just keeps it ahead of the competition. And I think technology suggests they can keep doing that for quite a while. Um, it is interesting that nobody has tried to compete with the iPhone. I mean, Android just isn't a competitor, I don't think, in any meaningful way. It's like plan B if you can't get an iPhone, but it's not an equal in any way. So it it feels like they can keep on keeping on. The, the, The threat to them is if a handheld device with a screen ceases to be the best way to engage with content and data or get things done which is all about AR, not VR. Uh, AR being
0: a- augmented reality. Augmented yeah, reality. Virtual reality.
1: So, so if, if you can imagine an Apple watch and a pair of glasses as being all you would need and your hands to do almost anything, uh, if somebody else got there before them, that would threaten them because platform change is always highly threatening.
0: Um, but short of that, I think they're they're in pretty solid shape. So you're bullish on Apple. You seem to be less bullish on Google. You've suggested in previous conversations uh, on that was the week that you think uh, OpenAI and AI broadly can challenge the Google search engine. Uh, Is Google, might Keith, when we talk again in December, 2023, might might, might we be focusing on the demise of Google and search?
1: I do think that very much depends on Google. Um, they have technology as good as open is in-house, but it hasn't been productized or released to the public. So it really comes down to the leadership team at Google, how much risk they want to take cannibalizing their existing business, the the old um, innovators dilemma, really, from Christensen. and at least so far, they've seemed quite conservative in doing that. They're, they're most fearful because their AI um, makes bad moral decisions every now and then, and they're afraid of their brand being tarnished by that. But I think if they acknowledge out loud, like Sam Altman is, what the limits are.
0: And Sam Altman being the CEO of OpenAI. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think, so I, so I, I think Google, you can't write Google off, but in order to win,
0: they have to cannibalize their
1: existing search platform.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting idea. And I guess you might say the same about Amazon and you've suggested the same about Apple. Finally, Keith, I'm not going to ask you to predict which industry will take off in 2023. That's a bit silly, I think. But what about finally um, talking about the mood? It seems to me at the end of 2022 that the tech lash it hasn't ended it's coming to an end do you think in a year's time we're going to be bullish again broadly i mean you're always bullish on tech you're one of the great optimists but do you think in, in cultural social political terms do you think we might by the end of next year collectively socially uh be beginning to believe in technology again to fix some of our deepest most insoluble problems I think there's
1: two dimensions
0: really one is
1: what the world thinks of big tech and the second is what big tech really is um, I think that era of big tech being the bad guy uh, notwithstanding Lena Khan's recent um, decision to not to challenge Microsoft's acquisition of- you're a big I- admirer
0: of Lena Khan aren't you key
1: no, I think, I think she's highly challenged. But that said, that said she's trying her best to impose a, a kind of a antitrust agenda on what I consider to be entirely inappropriate targets. But it's fine. I think the wind was in her sails when she took the job, and I don't think the wind is in her sails anymore. I think most people really don't see big tech as the enemy anymore. They tend to see billionaires as the enemy more, which is kind of interesting, and that's a different dynamic. I do think what big tech really is, is the future of the planet. Um, we as human beings engage with each other via intermediaries, which are digital for the most part, uh, and physical like airplanes and trains and so on. And I, 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 I think big tech or tech, whether big or small, is our current way of making progress happen. And if we abandon it, we abandon progress. Um, it's interesting, I had a debate on Twitter this week with a young man, I think, who objected to Sam Altman's point that automation will make jobs uh, not, not necessary anymore. And this young man said, what's the meaning of life if I don't have a job? And I said, "What? Well, so you reduce the meaning of life down to a job And his answer was, well, look, if AI can do everything better than me, why should I even try? And he didn't have that thing in him. Like, I love doing photography. Not only can AI do it better than me, you know, you can do it better than me. But it doesn't stop my enjoyment of doing it, that someone's better than me. So that sense of uh, getting free time to do things that you love, I think is fantastic and is in our future because of tech. And without tech, we'd all be working for the man and getting a
0: salary, which most of us still are. Excellent.
1: That
0: was